0: So we've been in this series called Passionate Spirituality. And so we've been talking about how to be passionate about the things of God. And so before we start, uh, I, wanna to, I wanna show you a video about what I'm not talking about. We ready with that? All right, let's see. Oh, there's a spot,
1: Perfect. Hey, God bless you guys. Barista, what's going on? God bless you. Hey, how's it going, man? I want the normal, my usual. Yeah, actually we have a couple girls in line already. If I could just get you moved to the back, and I'll help you as soon as I'm done with them. Sorry about that. Last we first, first be last. Dude. Do you go to church at all? Do you go to church at all? So do you go to church at all? Hey, is this seat open? hey, is this seat available? Uh dude, just wanna knock out some Devos real quick and spend some time with Jesus? I woke up kinda of late this morning. Yeah, come on, scoot over, let's sure. go. Let me sit down. I just wanna share something from God's word. He hit me up in my devos this morning. I was like, I gotta share this. Genesis 1 1. Thirsty, huh? Getting some water? Yeah. Yeah, I know the living water. I was noticing that you're drawing some stuff over here. Back before when I wasn't a Christian, I I was making so much money as a graphic designer. You been born again? you been born again? Born again. And you need to quit walking in the flesh. I mean, obviously you don't really know God, your tattoos, and you know, and your ear and stuff. If you don't start out the day by just bathing yourself in prayer, the day doesn't even go that well. You're not realizing that there is a God. He sent Jesus to die for you. Why don't you see that? And in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, I just would go to these crazy parties. It was crazy. Well, I mean just cash like crazy, but uh yeah. but I've left all that behind. Now I'm a Christian. You can't live life without God. He's not real. He's here. I can't yes, see. Him. I'm just not getting through. I can't, to you. God I can't is real. Touch him. Yeah, you can't touch Africa, but Africa exists. I just have to say, I'm blessed. Too blessed to be stressed by the devil's mess. What's holding you back from committing your life to Jesus Christ? Right. It's probably the sin in your life is what's going on. <laughs> scary? Hell is scary. Why don't you look at that girl? Look at her. She's gonna die. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. She's gonna die if you're gonna die. Where do you think you would go? Man, that sounded hot. I wonder how hot hell is. Hopefully, you don't go there. Oh, this is good. The New Testament is so just applicable. Have you guys noticed this? Hey, you gotta be washed by the blood of the Lamb. I mean, so that you are justified, sanctified, future glorified. I mean, this is amazing. You gotta come out. Do you drive a Volkswagen? Yeah, yeah, I do. But regardless, man, you gotta come to church. Hey, remember what I said? Hell? Scary.
0: (laughs) So, In this series, we're gonna be talking about how to be spiritually passionate about your faith, and that is not how to do it. But the question is, how how do you do it? So we discovered that everybody that really follows Jesus, they wanna be passionate about the things of God, but sometimes we just don't know how. So in this series, what we've been doing is just sharing some things to help you get where you wanna be spiritually, passionate about the things of God. And the first week we talked about laying a solid spiritual foundation for this year, just for God to be able to speak to us, to lead us in becoming spiritually passionate. And we discovered that if we renew our minds and then are transformed, we can then discern God's will for our life and remain spiritually passionate. And so we started the 21 day fast and prayer times as a way to just lay a foundation for our passion and spirituality uh, by leaning into God so that we can renew our minds. And then Charlene did a great job at giving us this next step, which is to prioritize the presence of God in our lives. And then last week we discovered another step to become spiritually passionate about the things of God, we discovered that we have to make the word first place in our life and that it's powerful and that it's a light uh, whenever we feel like we're in dark places. And so we found out that God's message to Joshua was that we had to keep the, the word of God on our lips day on it or meditate on it day and night And if we'll do that, we can be careful to do what's in it and then be prosperous and have success in in our life. So as we finish up our series today, we're gonna talk about another way to actually build passion in your life. And what we're gonna talk about today is actually, it's something that's feared by most Christians. Most followers of Christ, many people are afraid, even anxious about this thing, and it, but it actually builds your passion for God. And however it's feared, it actually shouldn't be because there, there's a lot of wrong ideas about this subject. And so hopefully we're gonna be able to get us to a place of understanding today. And it's actually the very, very reason that we follow Jesus. It is the ultimate purpose for our life as Christians. And that is sharing our faith with others. Sharing or declaring the gospel as the Bible puts it. Now I admit, everybody breathe in, breathe out. I know it can be scary. If you don't know how, it could be intimidating if you've never done it before. And when we're afraid to share our faith, man, it's easy to, be, to feel anxious or nervous, but despite any fear, the truth is, is that God has called us to actually courageously and passionately share our faith in Him with other people. In fact, it's actually, it's actually woven into your heart when you're born again. It's the very reason that we live, to not only live for God, but we also live to, watch this, to go into all the world, and preach the gospel to all creation. And anybody that believes and is baptized will be saved, but anybody who does not believe will be condemned. Now this word condemned here is actually speaking about hell, which seems pretty harsh, but we're gonna circle around back to that in a minute. But right now what I'm getting at is that it's actually our great commission. It's our mission in life. It's what we ultimately live for. See, whatever your God given gifting is, your calling, your purpose, your role, it always will point back to actually preaching the gospel to all creation. In other words, sharing your faith with others. So if you are a follower of Jesus, a Christian, this is actually a desire of yours to lead others to him. In fact, the great theologian Charles Spurgeon says this, "'Have you no wish for others to be saved?' then you're not saved yourself, be sure of that. Wow. But the reason that he says this is because it is in the DNA of the Christian to actually reproduce yourself. See, we're called, we're supposed to be fearless ambassadors of Christ, even if it feels intimidating or scary. But just because we wanna do it doesn't mean that you're not necessarily intimidated to do it. Okay, so just because you're scared of doing it doesn't necessarily mean you're not a Christian. Okay, that's not what he's saying. You wanna share your faith with other people, but I understand it could be intimidating, it can be scary. And there could be a lot of reasons that we don't share our faith. Um, one of the main reasons for being afraid to share faith is the potential for rejection, criticism, right? Criticism from those that don't share our faith. And a lot of times we're actually afraid that if we, if we share our faith, people are gonna judge us, they're gonna ridicule us, they're gonna look at us different shun us. And this can be a big obstacle. And a lot of times it, it actually drives us away from looking for opportunities to share our faith. A lot of times we're overwhelmed with fear or fear of people judging us, rejection, you know, if we were to try to share a faith. And so a lot of times it keeps us away from sharing the actual life that we know lives on the inside of us. Now, another reason that we may shy from sharing our faith is because of a lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge of the Bible or maybe an inability to articulate what you believe. Maybe you feel like I don't know the right words or the phrases and if I get that wrong, then I'm gonna confuse people and they're not gonna understand and I'm gonna look stupid too. And so sometimes we have this fear of failure and and nobody wants to feel like they failed, but especially at sharing something so precious to us as our faith. Uh, Sometimes it's easy to feel like you're not qualified. You're not experienced enough to share God's word, God's love, your faith with other people. You may feel like, you know, you haven't studied enough. Mike, I haven't learned enough. You know, I'll, I'll, whenever I get to this point in my spirituality, then I'll do that. We don't wanna share with people what we don't feel like we fully understand ourselves. So it's easy to feel inadequate or like you have an knowledge. Another reason that, uh, is that you may feel uh, feelings of doubt yourself with your faith as it is. You know, what you believe already, that can make you hesitant. If you don't already have all your beliefs tied up in a nice little bow, sometimes it's easy to feel like, well, who am I to share what I do know with other people? You know, I don't want to, you don't want to come across as confused or, or unsure. But it's really important to, to realize that you're not alone in these struggles. You know, realize that many followers and probably most followers of Jesus struggle with this as well. It's easy to feel alone or, or even guilty if you think you're the only one that, share, that struggles in this area of passionate spirituality. But it's also key that we actually understand the importance of doing the very thing that we're born again to do, and that is sharing our faith. And it's important for us to share faith, regardless of your fear, regardless of your intimidation, for a whole lot of reason. And the one is because people around you, people around me, us, they're struggling. They need new life. They need Jesus's life on the inside of them. They need the Holy spirit to lead them and guide them. Second Corinthians 517 says, therefore, if anybody is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So I've got to ask the question, how many people in your world, in my world are praying for the new every day? Man, I would just wish I could start all over. Maybe they're not praying to God, but they're just thinking, you know, I need new life if I could just start over, if I could just get over myself and start, stop being my own worst enemy, if I could just find direction in life and how do I keep my family from falling apart? I wish I wasn't so lonely. How do I find peace in the midst of pain? How do I overcome fear and anxiety or emotional trauma? How many people around us are internally, consciously or unconsciously asking for new life? How many are broken and wounded, tired of the life that they're living. They wanna change, but they don't know how and we carry the answer. Another reason is that people that God places in our life, you know, friends, family, school, workmates, and even you and me, we all have this fatal wound. And that is that we've all messed up at some point. We're all flawed. We've all done wrong, we've hurt someone, we've lied, we've lusted, we've stolen. We've all made mistakes and the Bible has a term for it. We don't like it, but it's called sin. And if we, or anybody that we love, leaves this world without their sin being paid for, then they have to pay for that sin. We have to pay for that sin ourselves. Jesus said it this way, as he describes what happens if we have to pay for our own sins in Matthew, 25:41, 41, he said, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's heavy. And you might say, whoa, oh, hang on just a second, Micah. How does a loving God send people to hell? How could a God who supposedly loves people so much, how could he actually send people to an eternal hell? And I think that's an amazing, I think that's a great question. It's a super valid question. And it's actually important, not only for us to know ourselves, but also in order to explain to other people. So let me explain it this way, that wrongdoing that I was talking about, that sin. You see, sin separates us from God, no matter how small it is, because you see, God is a perfect being, right? So heaven is a perfect place. There's no sin, there's no pain, and everything about God is perfect, holy, and also heaven where he lives is also perfect. And the issue is sin. Because you see perfection and sin, they can't coexist. It's like oil and water. You can't have them both. You can't sin and be perfect and you can't be perfect in sin. So, but the issue is man was never supposed to have sin on the inside of him. See, going back to the beginning, God created man as perfect with no sin and in perfect relationship with God, therefore. And then he gave man or mankind, Adam and Eve, he gave them one instruction. Hey, there's this tree over there, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch that tree. So you might ask, well, like it was all perfect. Why would God do that? If everything was perfect, why would he give them an opportunity to mess it up? Well, he did this to actually give them free will, a choice to be in relationship with him and serve him. because without the instruction to not touch this tree, there was no choice. They would be by default, be forced to have a relationship and serve God because there was no other choice. And so as you and I have also done, they messed up. They sinned, they ate the fruit from that tree. And it was at this point that sin actually entered the the world through one man, Adam and his wife Eve, and God had to separate himself from them because God is perfect and he can't be in relationship with sin. Remember oil and water and God is perfect. And if God's perfect, then heaven's a perfect place and you or me, or whenever we die, if we have sinned the smallest sin, if we are not perfect, and if we die and we go to heaven, a perfect place, With our imperfection, it's no longer heaven. We screwed up the entire place because we're there and it's no longer perfect. So if we've ever done anything wrong, if you've ever done anything wrong, you can't be in relationship with God. You can't go to heaven. In other words, you have to pay for your own sin, which is separation from God in this world, as well as separation from God in the next world. But, and this is the good news is that John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't perish, won't be separated from God, but will have eternal life. In other, word, in other words, that eternal fire that he talked about, he made a way out of that so that we would not have to pay for our own sin here on this earth or in the world after this heaven. So if we believe and follow Jesus, we don't have to pay for our own sin. We don't have to be separated from God. We can actually have relationship with God here on earth, not because you're good enough, because you're not, you'll never be good enough, but only because he paid for your sin and accepted, and you have accepted that and followed him. And then you could have eternal life with God in the next life, Not, not only in the next life, but here on earth as well. So this, is why he gave us the great commission. Because there is an entire world that's dying. They're trying their best to measure up, but they'll never be good enough. And it's not because God is a mean God, it's because we allowed sin into the world. And this is why Jesus gave us the great commission. It was the last thing he was concerned about before he left. It's the last thing he gave us before he left. He said, go tell them I love them, that there is a way out of destruction. And so this is the big thing that I wanna drive home today. The thing that I want to burn in your heart as you leave here today. And that is that sharing your faith and bringing people to Jesus is what we were made for. Yes, you're made to be a success. We already talked about God said he wants you to be successful. He wants you to be a good mom, a good dad, a good husband, a good wife. He wants you to be successful at what you put your hand to. He wants all the good things for you. But the very purpose that you were born again, the very purpose that you were made was to share your faith and bring people to Jesus. Why? Because he loves them and he doesn't want anybody to perish. Romans 5.8 says, but this is how he loves us. This is how God shows us that he loves us, that while we were still sinners, it doesn't matter what level you're a sinner. If you've ever done anything wrong ever, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you, for me. He loved the world so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to be a, born 100% man, though he was 100% God, the Bible says he laid down his deity in heaven and was born as a man like you and me and had to operate as a man. And even as a man, uh, Peter 2:24 says, as a man, he bore our sins in his body, our wrongdoing. He took that on himself on the tree referring to the cross. So while he was on the cross, all of your sin past, present and future all my sin, past, present, and future, went on to him and he died with that sin and he paid the penalty of the separation of God for us. And why would he do that? So that we might die to our own sins and live for righteousness. And that word righteousness just means you have a right standing with him. You have a relationship with him. So the idea of a loving God sending people to an eternal, eternity in hell, it's not actually the case at all. We're the ones that send ourselves there. He's actually trying to save us. He's trying to provide a way out. Well, Micah, I don't think that a loving God would send anybody to hell. I totally agree with you. He doesn't send anybody to hell. We sentence ourselves. Let me put it like this. If there was a starving child, and you sacrificed to provide food for this child so that it could live. And then you could not convince the child to actually accept that food and eat that food. And that child died. I would never say to you, well, man, if you really love that child, why would you starve them to death? Well, no, that didn't make any sense. You did your best. You did everything that you could do. You gave them the food, they would not eat it. Remember, hell was not made for us. It was prepared for the devil. And his angels. It, God never intended a human to ever go there. That was not his plan. He offers every one of us the opportunity of salvation through faith in Jesus. But he also gives us the freedom to choose because he's not into forcing us to serve him and to have a relationship with him. He gave us free will. And when somebody chooses to reject God's offer of salvation, and then they choose to pay for their own sin. And so that brings me to this question. And this is a question that Paul's asks in Roman. And it's a question that I think every Jesus follower has to ask themselves. The question that if you follow Jesus, you have to ask is a question I have to ask. And this is the question that I'm asking today. Romans 10, 14. How do they believe in the one who they have not heard? And then here's the big question. And how can they hear without somebody preaching it to them? How do they hear? How could they know without somebody telling them? Now the word preach here in the original language, it just means to herald or to proclaim. It's not talking about preaching down to them, at, but how are they gonna believe without somebody sharing with them the good news of faith in Jesus' death, burial and resurrection so that they would never have to pay for their own sin? and not just paying for their sin, but also having the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them that would walk through with them all the storms of life here on this earth, giving them strength and hope and, 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 and love all along the way. How often do people remain unaware of God's love, grace, and mercy, and they're not sure about how to receive Jesus into their lives? And without you and me proclaiming God's love, they're gonna fail to understand that God has a plan for their life and it doesn't include hell. Jeremiah 29 11 says this, is what God says about us, all of us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And people are gonna miss out on, exp- on experiencing this intimate relationship with God and his love And the authority that he gave us, his name, his deliverance, his saving power. And for this reason, we cannot let fear stop us from spreading God's word and sharing our faith. There's a quote I love that talks about being afraid to share the gospel. Michelle Perry says this, fear has a way of paralyzing us when it comes to sharing our faith. We fear judgment and rejection, but we share anyway for the gospel is worth far more than the fear of man. Somebody's eternity means so much more than my concern. God has called us to be fearless when it comes to proclaiming his message of love and acceptance. And we should always be ready to pray and look for opportunities. So how do we do it? That's the big question. Well, for that, you'll have to come back next week. No, I'm just joking, I'm gonna share it with you. So how do you, how do you get over fear and intimidation? What do you say? How do you say it? Uh, when do you say it? What's the right timing? The good news is that sharing your faith, it doesn't have to be hard. It's, it doesn't have to be intimidating. You don't have to be pushy about it. And if it's done right, it can actually be a beautiful experience, not just for them, but also for you that will increase your passion for God. There is a way to actually be effective at sharing your faith without being pushy or offensive. And so we're gonna get super practical here. I'm gonna share with you two different things. One is how to get into a position to actually share your faith with somebody. And the second thing I'm gonna share with you is exactly what do you say? How do you do it? I'm gonna get super practical with you, okay? And also if you're here, you don't know Jesus yet, but maybe you want to, I think this is gonna help you understand as well. So Apostle Paul, let's start out with him. In uh, 1 Corinthians 9:13. he said, this is how he did it. This was his strategy. I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. So Paul is Paul is saying if we have to, if we actually are going to be experienced uh, and and successful at doing this we have to uh, enter life to know and understand their their lives. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's actually about them. What do they think? How can I help them? Where can we actually meet people where they're needed? In fact. Jesus did the same thing as well. In Matthew chapter nine, Jesus is ministering to them. He's getting in their world. And he says, he went through all their towns and their villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And then he met their needs. He healed every disease and sickness. But when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep, having no shepherd or without a shepherd. I want you to notice when Jesus was moved with compassion. It was when he saw them. You see, when we go into people's world, into their lives, and we're moved with compassion, when you get close to them. See, the more you get close to people, then the more you get into the lives and you understand what's going on in their lives. And the more you understand them, the more you love them because you're actually moved with compassion. And this brings out passionate spirituality, passion for the things of God to be introduced into their lives. We just gotta enter their lives, just do life with them. So here's the question is, are we, uh, are we looking to connect with people or are we looking to correct people? Too many people are looking to just correct their theology or their thought. You know, Look for similarities, not differences. John Maxwell says it this way, and I love this. Find the 1% that you agree on and give it hundred percent of your effort. That's a great principle, right? Find the 1% that you agree on and that's be good for the country. Most Christians do the exact opposite, don't we? We find the one thing that we disagree on and then we give that hundred percent of our focus. And sometimes that's why the gospel has been rejected so many times, not because of Jesus, because of us. I'm your pastor, I love you. Get into their lives. And then begin to pray for opportunities. Okay, some of the best ways to to get confidence in sharing your faith is just pray in the morning, God, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to the opportunities to share my faith. God, I'm asking you to put people in my path, put meaningful conversations in my my life. And if you're looking for those things, if you're looking for opportunities to share your faith, you'll find they're there. We've just been missing them especially with individuals, man, it may take days, weeks or months, but if you're looking for them opportunities, you will find the moment where you can lean in and you can gently steer that conversation toward things of faith. And when you can steer it toward things of faith, when that conversation goes toward or can be led toward spiritual things, here is a great question that flushes out everything. And that's this, what do you think happens to us when we die? Which leads to the second question is, do you think you'll make it? Now, don't say it like this. You think you're gonna make it? That's not what I'm talking about, don't do that. But if you ask them that question and they say, I don't know, or I hope so, because remember, you can't make it to heaven if if you've done one thing wrong, you have to pay for your own sins. So I'm trying, or I hope so, is gonna be an issue. The only way that you're gonna get to heaven is through, through accepting Jesus and the payment for your sin. So if they say, I hope so, you know that they're doing what Paul called the works of the law. In other words, they're trying to be good enough to get into heaven. And as we've discovered, they're never gonna be good enough. They'll never make it. So what do you do? Once it gets to that place, what do you say to them? Well, in a nutshell, it's called the four spiritual laws. And the four spiritual laws explain the good news, the gospel, your faith in four simple points. I'm gonna give them all to you. They're also on the church center app under the notes, as well as lwfc.org notes. So you can go there, you can copy and paste them uh, if you need to. But number one is that they understand that God loves them and has a plan for their life that God's love is unconditional, unending. He loves them and he wants to bless their lives. He has a specific plan for each and every one of us. Number two is that we have all sinned and therefore been separated from God. Now I already went into this, so you can go back and listen to that to help elaborate on that if you need to. But we've gotta be careful to make sure that people understand this without putting them off. You don't wanna say, well, number two, you're a dirty sinner going to hell. Okay, number three, no. Okay, that's not gonna work. Now they are... In and of ourselves, all of us come short of the glory of God. In and of ourselves, we're all sinners except for the grace of God. So after you accept the love and grace of God, you're no longer a sinner. We discovered you're a new creation. But we have to understand that all of us have sinned and therefore are separated from God. We fall short of the perfection that's required of being with him. Which brings us to number three. And that is that Jesus is the only one that has paid for our sin. Muhammad didn't do it, Buddha didn't do it, Mother Mary didn't do it. And I think honestly, all those people were actually trying to better the world. But the problem with serving them is that none of them actually paid for their sins, for our sins. And if our sins aren't paid for, we have to pay for them ourselves, regardless of what religion we're in, okay? Jesus paid the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross. And while he was on the cross, the Bible says all of our sin, mine and yours, All of it, he bore. In other words, it went on to him and he died with that sin in him. And he had to pay for that sin by being separated from the father for a period of time until death, hell, and the grave could not hold him any longer. He rose with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. In other words, he conquered death for you. Which brings us to number four, and that is in order to accept Jesus, we have to surrender our lives to him as savior and Lord. Savior meaning that you believe he's the son of God and he, was, and he uh, and rose again. And Lord means you surrender your life, you follow him. It involves repenting of your sin and following him and surrendering your life to him. And then after that comes a final question, which is, so would you like to do that now? Most people never get to actually ask that question because that's like the yes or no thing. That's where it gets nerve wracking, right? Would you, like to, would you like to give your life to Jesus? Would you like to accept him? And here's what I've experienced. Decades of witnessing to people, led hundreds of people to Christ one-on-one. And here, when you get this far with people, I'm not exaggerating, nine times out of 10, the answer is yes, I would. Why? because there's something supernatural about the gospel, the good news that you just explained to them in those four steps. And then at what you do after that is you just lead them in a prayer, including those four things. God, I thank you that you have a plan for you. Lead them in this prayer. I thank you that you have a plan for my life. I've sinned and been separated from you and I repent and turn away from that sin. I accept you as the one who paid for that sin and I surrender my life to you. And it's that simple. You don't have to go on and on with the prayer. They probably would rather you not go on and on with the prayer. But I'm telling you, once you lead somebody to Christ, once you share your faith and you lead somebody to the Lord, man, of course their life is never gonna be the same again. But let me tell you, your life will never be the same again. Talk about passionate spirituality, passionate about the things of God. It will skyrocket in your heart. So if you're here and you follow Jesus... Look for opportunities because the truth is, is that sharing your faith and bringing people to Jesus, it's what you were made for. The gospel, it's powerful message of hope and love and grace. It brings transformation to those that receive it. And if nobody's gonna preach to them, how are they gonna believe? Share the message of God's love. You can do it gracefully. You can do it effectively. Pray for opportunities. Get get in and lean in. God, use me. It's God's heart that all men be saved. It's why we have to do it. So, So I wanna encourage you, if you need to go back over this teaching a couple times, learn to share your faith with grace and love, but don't let fear stop you, stop us from sharing our faith. It's actually what you were made to do. I love you so much, and I just want for your heart to be in sync with God's heart. And I'm telling you that this week, this week, my prayer as I prepared this message is that this week there would be opportunity in your life. God would open up doors and conversations in your life for you to share your faith. Would you stand with me?